0: One of the most beautiful institutions is marriage, which is perfectly designed by our Heavenly Father. Open your heart to receive from God as Pastor Conrad Meme brings us the continuation of practical wisdom for marriage. God bless you as you listen. I welcome you to our Bible study for today, June 16, 2020. Today, we'll be discussing... Practical Wisdom for Marriage, Part 2. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the gift of life and for protecting us from the ravaging effects of COVID-19. We thank you also for the opportunity and the privilege of this fellowship. Today, Lord, help us to learn from you give us hearing ears and understanding hearts bless and strengthen our homes and marriages let our lives homes and families be a praise of you in the mighty name of jesus we pray amen very quickly last week we outlined five practical wisdom tips to employ that can make our marriages a success they are number one the need to contract same-faith marriages two seeking to understand the needs of your spouse and meeting them three the importance of holding marriage in honor or sacred four understanding that there will be storms along the way and five understanding also that the storms will pass if I can just quickly add this comment to the very first point on same faith agreement which is very important I will point us to Genesis chapter 24 where Abraham instructs his oldest servant Eliezer to go and look for a wife for his son Isaac and he not only instructs his servant he makes him to swear to him in verse 2 to verse 4 that he will not go to the Canaanites but to his kindred or tribesmen to take a wife for his son Isaac. By doing that, Abraham was not being racist or bigoted. Abraham also understood that marriage, as a good number of us think, is not just about falling in love but he knew that marriage was also about the purposes of God that must continue from generation to generation. Abraham was focused on generational faith when he chose a wife for Isaac because he knew that if Isaac married outside his kindred, he may sooner be turned away from God to idols because marriage is such a powerful bond between two people, that even the great Solomon, who received more than a fair share of divine visitation, fell into idolatry as a result of being unequally yoked. Abraham's insistence on faith agreement for his son was perhaps born from his mistake with Ishmael, which came about as a result of Sarah's ill advice. This is why same faith agreement is key amongst believers intending to get married. It attracts the favor of God. So let's go to the sixteen to do to make our marriages succeed. And the sixteen is to practice love. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 tells us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. God's love is always demonstrated through His action. God shows us His love by acting it. True marital love is action, not intention. It is based on choosing the right actions, whether there are corresponding feelings or not choosing the right actions whether they are convenient or not the love we often feel which is filial is good but it can come and go filial love is good but we must also recognize it is ephemeral in nature they often do not last too long based on changes agape love is different It is an act of the will based on God's love that the Holy Spirit put in your heart. With agape, you can love your enemies. Agape love is intentional love. That is the God kind of love that has been poured out in our hearts according to Romans chapter 5 verse 5. When you practice the God kind of love, disagreements between you and your spouse should not make you love your spouse less, simply because it is a decision to love. We are told again in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God commended his love to us or toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love for us was not conditioned on our favorable response to him, but on his decision to love and to save us. Though we may not be walking completely worthy of God's expectations today, his love for us has not diminished. And that is the kind of love God wants us to have towards our spouses. Unconditional love. And we need to practice this. You need to keep practicing love in big and in small things. The things you want to do and the ones you don't feel like doing. That is why they say true love is about making others happy at your own expense. The seventh thing to do for success in marriage is to put God first or put God in front. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 reads In the beginning God Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 says you shall have no other gods before me. Brethren I want you to know your spouse is not a substitute for God and neither the spouse nor the marriage should become idols to be worshipped. In fact, your relationship with God needs to improve when you are married. In Genesis chapter 25, we see Isaac and Rebekah in their 20-year challenge. They each had a relationship with God individually and went to God first with their challenges. Don't stop fellowshipping and relating with God because you are married. Let your relationship with God continue to be better, stronger, and clearer. It will sustain you in all storms when your fellowship with God is firm. It will prepare you as a wise counsellor for your spouse and propel you to greater heights. Don't lose your most important identity as the most, as a child of the most high God, because you are now married. Your spouse is a wonderful addition to your life, but not your reason for living. Only God can fill the void in a human soul. We will pause here and continue next week. But before we go, I want to take opportunity to clarify some comments that arose from one of our brethren last week on the teaching of last week for the benefit of those who may feel my response was not all encompassing or was not encompassing enough. The first issue that was that uh, uh, was that the teaching may scare people from wanting to go into marriage because... I said it is estimated that about 50% of marriages end up in divorce, and as such, it is scary. More so, as the physical evidence we can see in all of our churches do not support such an assertion or estimate. My first response is to say it is an estimate because there is no precise data available, and I alluded to that fact that it is an estimate. However, some of the best sources of research we have is Google. So all we need to do is to Google the rate of divorce in Nigeria and you will come across a wide range of articles and opinions. One thing that, however, appears to be a consensus is that divorce is on the increase and the rate is alarming. The reason it may not seem so is because, number one, as a country, we have no reliable data on divorce. Number two, is that we do not openly talk about divorce because our culture and environment do not encourage it. It is often regarded as a taboo of sorts. The discussion about divorce often centers on those who have filed divorce proceedings in court and possibly obtained one, but does not include those who are separated from their spouses and have even remarried without bothering about annulling their marriages in court, either because they cannot afford it or they really do not consider it necessary out of ignorance or because their marriage or marriages were contracted under native law and custom. As a pastor, and at the risk of sounding immodest, and as a lawyer, I can tell you affirmatively that many of such abound. I do not handle divorce matters as a lawyer, but I have numerous Christians from other denominations and in RCCG that have approached me to take up their matters for which I declined but did my best to reconcile them as couples. We have heard of domestic violence being on the increase. We have read of husbands beating their wives to death. We have heard of women stabbing their husbands to death, one of them I know. Some of these people are not idol worshippers. Some of them are everyday Christians like you and I. These are realities. That they are happening have not stopped people from marrying. People got married the day after the last domestic violence happened. How then can talking about these things discourage people from getting married? There is even a state in Nigeria, Plateau state, that is said that the divorce rate is up to 70%. Whether these are correct or not the point however remains that divorce is on the increase and this point must not be lost on us why is divorce on the increase in nigeria i can mention a few reasons very quickly number one education our women are becoming more educated unlike a majority of our parents who are of the older generation. Number two, exposure and influence of Western culture. Divorce used to be a taboo, a major taboo that the older generation hardly contemplated. They were told to stay in the marriage no matter the misbehavior of their spouses, mostly the men. It might interest you to know that more than 70% of divorce proceedings in court in the last two years were started by women. Number three, income parity. A good number of women earn as much as men now and even better and have consequently become more assertive. As someone put it, women don't take nonsense these days even Christians. And this is why we are doing these teachings. For us to know that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. You ask me, is this intended to make us afraid? Certainly not! You do not solve a problem by denying the existence of the problem. Rather than scare you, it should challenge you to ensure you do not become part of the statistics. But rather, to do your utmost, to make your marriage work. It is a question of perspective, whether you want to see the cup half empty or half full. Because I want it to be a challenge is why I went ahead to talk about the things that we must look out for, which a lot take for granted, that can help positively or affect negatively our marriages. The second point I want to clarify is on the competence or incompetence of Solomon to be able to teach about marriage. I believe in my first response, I have cleared the issue of the interpretation of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, for which I read from the Amplified Version, and which should be clear to all by now as not having been taken out of context. I would be surprised to learn that we cannot study or teach from other translations of the Bible except the King James Version. On King Solomon being the worst example to learn about marriage from, let me begin by saying Solomon is acknowledged as, if not the wisest, at least one of the wisest men that ever lived. His wisdom is not worldly. But godly, he asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. See Second Chronicles chapter one, verse nine to verse twelve. Second Chronicles chapter one, verse nine to verse twelve. Let us then see some of the other pronouncements Solomon made relating to the home, family, or marriage, and. I will restrict myself for the avoidance of doubt only to the King James Version of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 to 19. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 to 19 reads, Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe." Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. This talks about being loyal or the need to be loyal to the wife of one's youth. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 4 A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as a rottenness in his bones. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 22. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favour of the Lord. This was said by Solomon. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 and verse 7. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Read the whole of Proverbs 31 on the virtuous woman, which is one of the most instructive scriptures when studying and teaching on marriage. For the sake of time, I can't read the entire chapter. But permit me to quickly read from verse 10 and to verse 12, and it reads, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. All of these scriptures were authored by Solomon. For those who may not be aware, Solomon is also believed to be the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon talks about love. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 12 reads, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 12, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord, is not quickly broken. What Solomon was talking about here, among so many others, was the advantages of companionship, whether in the context of marriage or unity generally. These are all from the man with 300 wives and 700 concubines who morally and ordinarily Is not competent to teach on marriage, but do you know why there are powerful scriptures that have shaped homes and marriages? Do you know why? Because the writings were inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 17 tells us that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture is by the inspiration of God. Who is the man of God referred to there? You and I, the children of God. To then say Solomon is not competent to teach on marriage would be to be more righteous than God, who by his spirit inspired Solomon to write these powerful scriptures. See what Solomon says concerning his life's quest in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13, the A part, he says, I gave my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. If Solomon cannot teach us anything on marriage, then David also should not be qualified to write a majority of the Psalms where we are taught about godliness righteousness purity of the heart why because david committed one of the most heinous crimes imaginable for today's believer but yet his psalms is arguably one of the most read studied or quoted books in the bible why because it was inspired by the holy spirit These were men who made mistakes and are teaching us from their mistakes so we don't make the same mistakes. If God were to mark iniquity, who will stand? Not David, nor any of the men of old or men of the present. We all are daily crying to God for his mercy in the areas of our weaknesses. Brethren, I do hope the issues have been addressed. I want to encourage us to keep in focus the practical wisdom tips we have shared so far. By God's grace, we will conclude next week. The platform will be open for comments. Your comments are always welcome. I will also request that as you make your comments, do so respectfully regardless of whether someone else's comments is contrary to yours. Correction must be in love. We are together in this fellowship to edify ourselves and not to vilify or disparage one another. On this note, I pray the Lord bless you and make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you and grant you his peace and his rest. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Remain blessed. Thank you for joining us. This message is brought to you by Pastor Conrad Meme of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Living Waters Parish, 2B Thomas Lanier Street, Anthony Village, Lagos. See you next time. And until then, keep the fire burning.